Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hey, founders. Welcome to our second half of our holiday show. Happy New uh, Year, everybody. Woo! Hopefully, yeah. you had a great New Year. Uh, today, we're going to have a treat. I get to interview Mr. Bob Regneris. Oh, Brandon uh, gets to take the steering wheel for me for a change. Just, I, right? Right. Bob yeah. is just always yanking that out of my hand. And Brandon just rubbing his hands together. Oh, this is going to be... Right, like Smithers. Like, I right. can't wait. Oh, we're going to dig. We're going to make him uncomfortable. Mm. So yeah, today, uh, I get to interview Bob, which I'm super excited about. And uh, you get to learn a little bit more about Bob and his uh, his uh, his coaching, uh, his journey through entrepreneurship, yeah. and uh, and we, we've got some good stories. I got big um, shoes to fill. You did really good last week, BB. Did I? Yeah, it was good. really interesting. Like I learned things that I didn't know about you. So thank you. Let's see if I can at least try to alarm you with things that you didn't know Alar- about me. <laughs> Alarming and shocking <laughs> off. Excellent. Well, should we just dive right in, Bob? Is that what we're doing? Love it. All right. Love it. And I am going to relinquish control because as you know, I love relinquishing control. (laughs) Yes, that would be the first thing I would say about you. All right. The man, Bob Regneris. So a little bit of context. Bob and I met, and we covered this in last year a little bit. We met uh, years ago, uh, I was working at a printing company, um, not happy, desperately. I was kind of dipping my toes in the internet marketing world. And I saved you. And Bob saved me. He saved me. And then Crap. I tried to kill you. And he, <laughs> yes. It, it, <laughs> pretty much. I gave me. you I gave you hope. And then I took you away hope, your life jacket and, and I tried to drown you. Smacked it out of your hand. I gave you this delicious piece of pie just the way you want it. And then I snapped no, it out before no you pie for it. you. Which is why you asked for pie every time we're together. Pie. <laughs> hey, can we go for ice cream? No. No. Can we go for pie? Yeah. Yeah. Just just time it right. As soon as I put that piece of pie in my face, you slap it away. So Bob and I, uh, so, so he hired me. We, he, was, he was he had a, a small um, marketing consulting company with a lot of people in real estate. Then the crash happened and uh, had to let me go and a bunch of other people go. But Bob and I, you know, I didn't take it personally. You know, it's it is it's that's the roller coaster of, of business. And so we kept in touch. And well, we did. We support each other. We gave yeah. each other work. Yeah. Um, you like I really relish the fact that like you went you went you were going through a lot of shit and you oh, know yeah. I was too and it was like hey you were checking in on me yeah. I was checking in on you and you know you had you had career business questions I had career business questions and we just kind of like supported each other through that time we even yeah. when you were on your RV trip we even got I traveled down to Florida and you were in Florida we had yeah. ice cream with each other's families which That's is right. awesome you know yeah. So. Absolutely. So it was, it's, it was good. And it's important to have, it's so important to have that relationship, especially in entrepreneur world, because uh, it is, it is a roller coaster. Um, so 
that's how Bob and I met. And um, so, Bob, let's talk about, I want to talk about the pre-journey. I know a little bit of it uh, mm-hmm. for you, but I, I'm, I'm really curious about, I'm really curious about your coaching because, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep nudging you to write the book on it, but you've been doing coaching since you were a teenager. Well, tell yeah. you what, let's, let's peg that. Let's start with baby Bob. Let's oh, start good. with a tease. Coach. Good. That tease. was a tease. Tease. Yeah. We're going to get into the coaching. Let's talk about baby Bob. Let's yeah. talk about growing up. What was that like for you? Um, talk to me about that. Had had a very good childhood, um, really supportive, hardworking parents. They were both in banking. Um, neither one was entrepreneurs. Um, but I, I'm, I have a, a sister who's four years younger than me, a brother who's four years younger. I was the oldest, you know, like, so I kind of learned and we, we lived in a community where there wasn't a lot of kids. So I kind of learned how to play and like entertain myself. Yeah. Um, and I, I did a lot of things like, nerf basketball and i'd throw the ball up and hit it and then run after and catch it it seems kind of sad wow. <laughs> like like wow. i just love sports i just yeah. absolutely love sports um and like so i i kind of learned how to like just kind of entertain myself for a while and um had a couple kind of cool friends but um had a really like big family i was the my my mom and my mom's the oldest and has five younger brothers and sisters so mm-hmm. like i was the first nephew grandkid on one side so like i had this whole stable of aunts and uncles and grandparents that were just ready to spoil me so i enjoyed going over to my grandma's house who um actually is one mile away from where i live now um which is kind of cool and you know went to ball games with uh, my uncles and just it was really really kind of cool childhood I started school, Brandon, when I was four years old. I went to kindergarten. I was the youngest one in class. Oh my and, gosh, me too. Yeah, oh, really? I started early too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for for somebody who's like four years old, so kind of like physically, physically, I was mentally mature, but like physically less mature than others. And I started uh-huh. to realize that come middle school, right? right. Um, I was like highly allergic to grass and trees. So like... <laughs> And I'm an asthmatic, so I carry an inhaler, which was really oh. cool in the 70s, right? Oh, Lord. Like, no, but like everybody has asthma now, right? And it's yeah. like, okay, that was not normal. I was not the normal kid. So, like, um, it was, I was like, the, well, always like last kid picked, uh-huh. you know, when I made a sports team, when I didn't get cut, I was like last guy on the bench. Yeah. Um, and exactly. that killed me because like sports, like I love sports, like basketball and baseball, just like mean everything to me. So for me, it was like, okay, um, I, I couldn't do the things physically that I wanted, but I really like learned the game like i i got really interested in like how does the game work um how do you strategically play this game so i was thinking like the coach i was thinking like the manager well i i entered high school brandon i was five foot one 105 pounds oh my (laughs) i was a child i was a child and it wasn't until um i turned 16 um, I had a, I had a one foot summer. I grew, oh, wow. 
I, I, I left school as my sophomore year. I was probably five, two at that point. I came back. I was six, one, (laughs) my voice changed, you know, but by then, like you kind of like, you didn't, I wasn't part of like the, 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 you know, the group that it came up, but um, I was able to make teams. I was able to get some playing time, but I spent most of my time like watching how the coach did practice. I Mm. sat by the coach on the bench and watched him draw plays. I mean, I remember even when I was young, Brandon, I would like get notebooks and I would watch games on TV and I would draw the, I would draw the, the lane, the basketball lane, and I would put X's and O's and I would draw up and think up my own plays. Like I would sit there and do that. And I would have pages and pages of this and I'd watch games and I would copy what like, you know, Bobby Knight was doing at Indiana and Lou Henson at Illinois. Like I've drawn those up. And that was like a big deal for me. Then in sixth grade, sixth grade was key for me is that the math teacher bought two Apple computers. Like, like, this is cool, right? Apple computers. So we got to spend 20 minutes a week on those computers. You had to (laughs) sign up and you got one 20 minute session. Well, I like just fell in love with that. Mm-hmm. And I learned, like, I played all the computer games. They were very simple back then. But again, I wanted to know how to make the games. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I learned how to program in basic. I was, I don't know how old I was in sixth grade, like 10, 11. I, I don't know. But like, I learned how to program in basic. So by the time I got to high school, I took every programming class I could, Mm -hmm. but I would do the programs like I was so fast and they were perfect every time. So the teacher actually let me kind of just help everybody else in class. And then I would do these extra projects. I developed my own um, basketball simulation game, like a fantasy game. I, I programmed this thing. And like I could play simulated games before like this existed. I should have like known I could sell it, but like I just developed like this algorithm to like play basketball and I would like do that for fun. You know, I'd go hang out with the friends and play music, get into trouble, all the cool stuff. But like I just <laughs> love computers. So I went right into that into the college. Okay. Um, was like, hey, I'm gonna be in it, I'm gonna be a programmer. And like it was so easy for me like sports were hard because physically i couldn't like compete yet but sure. man i was i was fucking good at programming I oh, say nice <laughs> nice yeah so that's that's when that i found something that i was just like i can do this literally like like breathing it was like so easy and so effortless for me like i could literally figure out how to solve problems by like developing algorithms in my head and I could sit down like a lot of people would have to like write out their code I would just have it in my head and I'd have a simple outline on paper like what are the three four or five functions I need and then I would just figure it out from there and I just write the code Um, so that's that's kind of like what got me into technology was just that those two apple computers that my math teacher bought uh, I think he bought it himself like mm-hmm. it was one of those things. And yeah. like, I just fell in love with it from there. Mm. So you were able to pick up the language easily, yeah. intuitively. Is the language, 
the language didn't matter. It was just yeah. like it, it's just syntax. But the when you program, it's it's developing like an algorithm, like solve. It's like a problem solving. It's just a step by step how to solve a problem. So mm. yeah, I could just intuitively see it and figure it out um, pretty easily. So like when I went to college, I took Pascal, Fortran, COBOL. Like I learned all of them. Um, you know, even when I started in my career, I learned uh, I, I learned advanced COBOL and I learned CICS. Like it was like it was so easy for me. Um, it was just again, it was like breathing for me. Mm. So this hat when I'm just seeing a pattern is is you're kind of able to see the game. You're kind of able to look at the here's what the output is. Here's what it looks like, and you're able to deconstruct it. Is what I'm hearing with with coaching. <laughs> I mean, yes. creating plays is yeah. you, you it sounds like you've gotten even more out of the designing of the plays than playing the game perhaps is that true or is it was it yeah i mean i really look i'm a highly competitive person as you know like it's very important to me to compete and so everything like i do even playing cards like you know even golfing with my wife like it is a competition right so part of me is like i want to figure out the game i want to figure out how to like turn that in like you know so it was like i i played poker for a while um you know wasn't great at it but it was good at it um like i wanted to figure out how to win poker you know mm -hmm. i always want to figure out like you know even playing around with like sports wagering and you know just like different things like i want to learn how to win um yeah. You know, oh, like uh, there was a time like I did a whole Dungeons and Dragons thing in school. Did you do did you get into a little that bit? At all? Yeah, a little bit of D&D. OK, yeah. so oh, yeah. I did not like I spent more time learning how to be the dungeon master than actually playing the game. <laughs> like I never got to really enjoy the game because I was just trying to figure out how to run the game and figure the game out uh -huh. instead of actually playing it. It seems kind of weird, but like, no, it's my it's, whole it's thing is I want to look at something and like, I want to figure out how to win it. Mm. It's like, I enjoy love winning. That. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So when how, like, go ahead. well, just like I, I want to write a computer program and I want to see that like the result is like perfect, you know? Yeah. And if you do a program right, it comes out perfect. Sure. Interesting. So mm. tell me about so now. You're in college. You've learned the programming. You went to work for who? You didn't jump right into the entrepreneurial world. No, no, like I did. You and I kind of did some things with some side hustles and things like that. No, um, you know, something that may surprise you is that kind of whenever I'm in a situation, I want to make sure I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, kind look, I love. I love coaching for a lot of reasons, but I also like to be the one responsible, yeah. you know, like I enjoy, I, my parents always gave me a lot of responsibility and I like love that. So, you know, when you're young and kind of physically immature, like you're not given leadership opportunities. So like when I started getting leadership opportunities, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm all over it. I want to tell you about our senior project. Um, we had a database class and our senior project was we would go intern with a company for a semester, right? We, we would, you know, we'd be in class, but like after class, we'd go spend time with this, with this company. And I wanted to be in charge of that group, but there was a very pushy uh, young lady 
who said, I've got a ton of experience, like I'm going to be the leader. So I was like, okay, we let her be the leader. And then we enjoyed kind of like ribbing her behind her back because she was a terrible leader. Like she's one of those people that like claimed to know everything, but she knew nothing. Okay. Uh-huh. It was all, it was all like very superficial. So, yeah. you know, we were working for a real company. It was a, t- it was a, uh, a um, cell phone company in Chicago. Um, okay. No longer exists, you know, got bought up by five other companies, but yeah. um, we were in charge of like looking at and analyzing their network and figuring out what was wrong with their internal network. Like they had all these issues. And so we went in and our job was to identify like the technical issues, the personal issues, the procedural issues. So we had to like each take our turn presenting um, at this meeting. And, you know, we, we all took our turns and then our group leader completely shat the bed. Like she, she was like struggling. So our teacher is in there and the teacher turns to me and says, well, Bob, can you, can you help out? Can you give some insight? I stood up and I did her presentation and my, and my group was like, Bob, you saved the day. I just love that dude. Like that for me was like, yeah, I mean, I was pretty smug then, but I was like, (laughs) I wanted to be the leader, but I was like, I knew my stuff good enough that I could go in and, and my teacher came back to me. She's like, the client was really impressed with you. Now I didn't take a job offer from them, but two of my good friends in college got jobs with them because of how good we did. So I was really cool that those guys got it. But, um, I interviewed, uh, for Amico Corporation, the the oil company, big oil com- oil and gas company in Chicago, the big white building in Chicago that's on the lakefront. It's called yeah. the Standard Oil Building. I think it's called the AN Building now. But like, I wanted to work downtown. Like that was like I wanted. That's what my dad did. Like uh-huh. I wanted to carry the briefcase and work downtown. And like, um, my offer coming out of college was thirty grand, which was like. It was good. Like for sure. like in 1992, it was a sure. good offer. Sure. Um, you know, I, I interviewed for probably three or four jobs. Um, and I do got to, I, I, I do have to tell a story before that, but I interviewed for three or four jobs and I got one offer and I was like pissed off that the other three or four companies didn't make me an offer. Like, how dare they not offer me? A gig, <laughs> do right? you know who I am? Like, it was like, dude. Um, but what I didn't mention, Brandon was like in college, yeah, I made a decision and this this wasn't like my parents were paying for my college, but I decided that I wanted to work full time at the university in the computer center. And I worked full time. I worked 40 hours a week. I worked from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Wow. during college. And okay. so I actually worked my way up to be a supervisor. I'm, you know, like eight, 19, 20 years old. I'm a supervisor. And everybody that worked for me was like 30, 35. I had some people in their forties that worked for me. Right. So like I was a shift supervisor and I, I worked my way up. And of course they offered me a job and I'm like, I ain't working here. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to something better, but they did offer me a job. And I'm like, no, nah, I, I didn't want to be stuck. And it was kind of like a, it was, it was like a government job, you know, it was like, 
it was a union job and it was like, nah, I don't want that. I I wanted to work downtown. I wanted to wear the suit and have the briefcase. So yeah, I got hired on to um, a big team at Amico. It was working on their motor club system. Um, I was a programmer and Arthur Anderson had a big team there. So I got integrated with Arthur Anderson. I went out to Arthur Anderson university, spent two weeks out there. It was amazing. And um, you know, like started working that whole thing. Well, a, a month into my job, uh, Amico announced layoffs. Mm. So here, here I am like this bright green guy out of college, you know, like I know it all. And I'm, you know, I'm meeting all my coworkers and we start to develop relationship and then there's a layoff. And these people that I had met a month prior who were, you know, in their forties and fifties um, on a Friday, walked out of the building with a box full of their stuff. And I'm like, huh, huh, like, that's funny. Now, of course, I was probably cheap, right? Like 30 grand. I thought it was a lot of money, but they were probably making much more than me. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's how corporate America works, right? You make more money, you're expendable. Hmm. So, you know, I do my usual bang up job, like, you know, like I'm going to work hard. I, I show up early. I stay late. You know, I get good reviews and I, um, I I have a meeting with my supervisor about a year after I'm hired and they're like, Bob, you know, um, you're, you're number one in your peer group. So like they would, you know, put all the new hires together, like you're number one in your peer group. Um, Because of your performance, you know, we're going to give you a two and a half percent raise uh, for next year. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, I happen to be buddies with people in the peer group. And I found out that he's like, hey, man, like, I was like bottom of the peer group, <laughs> you know, like would call off once in a while. I was kind of a smart ass. I'm yeah. like, oh, but did you get a raise? He goes, yeah, I got a raise. I'm like, how much did you get? He goes, oh, 2%. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Like I'm the top performer. I got two and a half percent. He's mm. the bottom performer. I got 2%. I'm like, there's something wrong here. <laughs> there's something's broken. There's something wrong here. Yeah. So I start to like go, oh, this is interesting. And, you know, I kind of put in my time. And the worst part of my job, Brandon, was I got called in the middle of the night. These job, Ooh. these programs are running at night when the system was quiet. And, you know, you put bad data into a computer program and it it bombs. So yeah. my job would be to like get a call at 2 a.m. telling mm-hmm. me so-and-so, you know, this program failed. I'd have to go into the other bedroom. I'd have to log on with my modem. A modem, by the way, is this right. thing where it you 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 have to buy a second phone line for your house. You plug oh it in and this. then you you dial up and it goes. And it like, bang, make, bang, bang, yeah. You, and yeah, yeah. I want you'll never know about the right. 144, the 56k. No, modem. it started off with a 4800 baud modem, which oh what you understand is like if you were to see words on the screen, you yeah. wouldn't see a screen, you'd see the each letter appear. That's how yeah. slow it was. Oh. And so I'd have to go in and fix data in the middle of the night. And like when you were on call, it was miserable. So I'm like, I don't want to do this no more. Yeah. And so I I found out from somebody that was working there who left, they had um, contacted a headhunter. I'm like, ooh, headhunter. Ooh. So this headhunter um, kind of took my information and 
um, after I, I stayed at Amico for three years uh-huh. and I got an offer to work at a human resource firm in Lincolnshire, which is way up north, but they offered me twice as much money I was making. So it was like 50 grand. And then they paid me a bonus to like Ooh. take the gig. So I'm like, Ooh. this is freaking awesome. Wow. Right. Like I'm, I'm rolling in the dough. Yeah. So, you know, I go to work for this company and I'm working on interactive voice response systems. So we're all familiar, right? You pick up the phone and a computer answers and you press okay. one, you press two. Yeah. So they would do, I would code, um, I would code this for um, human resource systems, like for people to enroll in their medical and dental. You didn't do it online yet. It was done over the phone. So I would code the system that would, and and by the way, Brandon, the very first client I had was Amico. <laughs> so oh I, left, I left Amico and I got hired in. And once I got trained, they're like, okay, because it was all divided by clients and they had a ton of Fortune 500 clients. Yeah. Like your client is Amico. I'm like, awesome. So I got to go back to Amico, like to work <laughs> hey with their HR people. Like, yeah, I didn't follow, I didn't run into people I knew, but I'm like, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but while working there. So this company's culture was like, you would work all day. They gave you free lunch. They gave you free dry cleaning. It was one of those places where it's like, well, you're going to work here, but you're really going to live here, Mm, which sucked for me because uh, Arlene, you know, we didn't have kids yet. It was was a 45 mile commute one way. So I spent about three to four hours of my day commuting and it was expected that you would be in early and stay late. It was awful. It was awful. So, but I I like to say that I got about five and a half years of experience while only having to work just about three. But I met a guy there, Brandon, who was there, who was doing contract work. I'm like, Hmm. what's that? What's contract work? He's like, well, you know, I do the same thing you do, except I work for myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they don't pay me insurance. They don't pay me benefits. Like, but I, I, I'm making, you know, hundred dollars an hour. I'm like hundred dollars an hour. Like I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, <laughs> so you gotta, so he eventually leaves, but I, I befriend him and yeah. I'm like, Hey man, like I'm tired of working. I'm quite tired of commuting. I'm tired of working these long hours. What do you got? He's like, well, I actually have a gig for you at TransUnion Corporation. And it's for hourly work. And I'm like, great. It was downtown and I could take the train and the, and the station was right next to the building. And yeah. it's like, you can work your eight hours, you get paid a hundred dollars an hour. And like, they couldn't tell you when to come in. They like, they, it was like, it was heaven. So <laughs> I started doing that. Like, and and he helped me get the gig. You know, yeah. I paid him $5 an hour back out of my salary. So I got paid a hundred bucks an hour and I gave him $5 an hour to kind of just handle the contract for me. Nice. And that's how I'm like, that's when I, that's when I got into business for myself. RJR Computing Solutions was back, was formed back in 1998. And what I started doing there, Brandon was like, Hey, I was working on their, you know, their, their consumer input system, but the internet, I'm like websites. So it's the same story as you that you told last week. Like I learned how to code websites Yeah, and I'm like, this, this is fun. This is fun. Right. So I'm, I'll get to the coaching, but like from the time I was 16 years old, I've been coaching 
So where I would buy my basketballs and uniforms was a company called Payless Sports. And I had been a customer of theirs. I go to them and I'm like, hey, you guys don't have a website. Like, wouldn't it be cool if you could sell all your stuff in your warehouse? Because they had a catalog. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if you could live? I'm sorry, that you could um, sell your stuff like 24 hours? They're like, absolutely. So like I build this website myself. And I, I hire a couple of my cousins to actually go through the, the, the catalog, Brandon, and type in the products. Like there was no oh, wow. way to integrate it into a database. We just had right. to type it in. Wow. It was insane. But wow. I built them an e-commerce website in 1998. Holy and and that, that website, and we, we redesigned it a couple of times, but um, up until... Uh, last year, 2022, they sold their company to a larger company, but that website was still being used. Huh. And original. so the original e-commerce engine they wow. used for over 22 years, 24 wow. years. And then when they got bought by this new company, they put their system in place. But it was like, it was fantastic. But the best part, the reason that you and I know each other and the reason why we're doing this podcast is the owner, Dan, was like, Bob, like, this is so great. Like, you built this website. It's fantastic. He goes, how do we get people to know it exists? I'm like, oh, I know exactly how yes. to do that. <laughs> the question, the ultimate right? question. Hey, you I know had... what's funny? I never knew this, Bob, how much you and I paralleled. Yeah. We've paralleled tremendous. So just as an aside, you discovered contract work. I did the same thing. I discovered yeah. creative contract work. Yeah. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is- Oh, you're gone, right? I could just show up. I could do some of this and that. And they, could, they couldn't tell me, me. They couldn't yeah. tell me when to take vacation. Yeah. They couldn't tell me if I wanted to take a day off. Oh my gosh. Which, which was critical because I started coaching high school basketball while I was doing contract work. Okay. Like I would go in- I would start my day at 5.30 in the morning and be done by 1.30, 2 o'clock so I can uh-huh. get the train back to the high school to coach. Nice. Like I'm like, I can do whatever I want. Oh, I want to take two weeks off over the holidays. Yeah. They couldn't tell me not to. You know, as long as yeah. I as long as I got my stuff done, it, right? You know, now of course I got paid hourly, so I worked as much as I wanted to, right? Exactly. Like, oh, I yeah. want to generate the revenue, but it was all about that. Yeah. Um, but you know that question of how do I get traffic to my site and me just my my guts like tell them you know how to do it. I said I absolutely <laughs> know how to do it. There and it so is. that's when I googled internet marketing. And uh-huh. SEO, and I discovered Corey Rudel, uh, Derek Giel, yes, yes. Frank Kern, uh, Perry Marshall, and then um, eventually Dan Kennedy. Uh, that like that got me into marketing, and I realized, man, I love programming and I love technology, but I, if I want to know how the game is supposed to work. Like it's about the marketing. Like if you want to make a company go, it's all in the marketing. And then, yeah, like my, my life and career changed in 1998 when I decided to say yes to how to get traffic to a website. I love it. I I have a similar story. Like I I think I built a website. It was for a plastic, plastics marketing corporation in Chicago. That sounds scintillating. Right, 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 right. So, So I built this website. I was really proud of it. And then the day after it launched, it was like, 
Yeah. So how, how do we get people to it? Or how come we don't, how come, Oh, it was, how come we're not ranked number one in Google? Oh yeah. It was great. that question. I'm like, um, well, that's a great question. Yeah. And I remember doing something similar is kind of doing some searches like, Oh, well, if I did this and then it was funny, I was, I would do some stuff and I'd refresh Google yeah. at the time and like, yeah. Oh, there it is. There it was look, that fast. There. And then I'd go and show them the next day and like, Oh, you're gone. No, you know, it's like, yeah, this point, this is the, this is well, the, what was great back in those days is you could go into the page and you could like change the title and you could put all these, you could stuff the page yeah. with keywords. Oh, yeah. oh, I yeah. mean, you could literally just like, and you're right. Google was like real time back in the day. So yeah. you could go make some changes and see how it affected. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. Like, but, I, but like, oh my goodness, it was so stressful because you'd say, Hey, okay, you're, you're, you're ranked for, you know, these keywords. And then you yeah. go back the next day and it's gone. gone. I was like, <laughs> oh, and so, and so all of a sudden I start reading about this um, paid search engine. It was called uh, goto.com. Mm. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. So you go to the site and you you put in your the the URL that you want to promote and then you put a bid amount next to your URL for the keywords. So like whatever keyword you would want. So damn Brandon, I could bid on sporting goods for like less than 20 cents Ooh. and get them traffic. I'm like wait a minute, like I can pay for play. But then the cool thing with GoTo was you could see where everybody else was bidding. It oh. was completely open bidding. So I could see what the, like I learned then like, oh, so there's this, like, uh, it was like sporting, was it sporting where, um, sportsman's warehouse or whatever, oh, yeah. what, whatever the sporting goods store was like, they were bidding on all these words and they were bidding like $2 a word. But like, I learned like, oh, I'm going to bid one cent more than the third place guy so that I'm in second place. Now, yeah. uh, the big company is paying uh, Sport Mart. That was a game. They Sport were paying Mart. like $2 for sporting goods. I was paying 21 cents. Uh, and you were right? in second place. In second place. Wow. So I knew like the game was that, you know, go to eventually got bought by Overture and then Overture got swallowed in by Yahoo. And by then, you know, it was about, it was about, uh, keyword um, relevancy. And we started to learn about that thing. And then I, I go to this marketing event in 2003 called Traffic Secrets, John Reese. It cost yeah. $4,500 to go. It was March, 2003. I had like, I'm like, how do I afford this? You know, I was like, I got to sell how much of my services? Cause I was yeah. still developing websites for big clients and, you know, but I go there and, um, about two months before that, I I opted in and got a book called uh, Google AdWords. What was it? Google or dummies was, or something or or, or Perry's whatever book? whatever Perry's was. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the, defi or, the definitive guide, guide definitive to Google guide. AdWords. Yeah, I I bought that book, and I'm like, oh, like Google, like Google's like that's a pretty good search engine. Like nobody was using it yet, but I'm like, that's that's kind of interesting, yeah. and like. It was, it was pretty cool. And so I go to this event and I always tease Perry, like I'm, I'm like nobody there, but I had started learning how to do like AdWords arbitrage where you would buy a click for 20 cents and then sell it to another advertiser for 30. Um, 
you know, I, I learned how to do that. I started doing ebook marketing. Like I would, I would, I would run words. I, I was, I was the number one uh, information source for candle making and soap making brand. What? Yeah. You? Yeah. I did but not it, know this. So, yeah. Like you wrote an ebook on candle making. And soap making because I did no. research. Yeah. I learned this from Frank Kern. I learned like how to like how to do niche research. Yeah. And I learned like, oh, okay, there's there's not a lot of information marketing or information products around or ebooks around these two subjects, but a lot of people were searching on it. So wow. I literally ran an ad for two weeks and said, What's your biggest question about candle making? What's your biggest question about soap making? I collected all the questions, I handed it off to a writer, and they wrote uh they wrote an ebook for me. I compiled it together and I sold it. I sold it. So I would buy clicks for candle making and then I would sell the ebook. It was like 1995 or 29. That's how I learned how to market. So wow. I learned arbitrage. I learned Google AdWords by doing arbitrage, but I learned how to like sell information products um, from Frank Kern. And, you know, I, I made some decent money. So when I went to this conference, I was kind of a nobody, but I ran into some other people who were like, oh, you're the, you're the candle making guy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, never made a candle in my life, never made soap in my life, but I learned how to market it. I learned how to market information. Mm. And so Frank introduced me to John Reese. And then I, I ran into uh, this guy named Perry Marshall. And I'm like, oh, like I'm doing Google AdWords. I learned how to do it from Perry. So I introduced myself to Perry and he's like, hey, good to meet you. Uh, I got to go. So like, good to meet you. And he like, <laughs> got in a car and ran away. So I like to say Perry blew me off the first time. Yeah, yeah. But um, at that conference, I met a good friend of ours, Victor Chang. Victor Chang was somebody who changed my life because he helped me write my first book in 2007. So, um, you know, what I learned from that is I'm going to invest in going to conferences mm -hmm. because number one, you learn things there, but number two, you meet people there that could potentially change your life. And mm -hmm. for me, it was a, meeting a guy named Victor. Um, you know, I went to another conference, uh, Yannick, one of Yannick Silver's conferences, and yep. I met uh, Bill Beaudry, who's a friend of ours, who, yep. you know, we did some things together. And um, but the best conference that I went to was in 2004. Uh, it was the Info Summit, first Info Summit, Bill Glazer and Dan Kennedy hosted. You know, Frank Kern turned me on to Dan Kennedy. I got the gold newsletter. I bought in like direct marketing. Yep. I bought in like I got it right. It was all about run an ad, measure the results. Like, I'm like, I love this. Right. And so Bill Glazer basically is like, Hey, um, you know, I'm starting a mastermind group. And if you think you're kind of a fit for it, I want you to apply. And so Brandon, like I did the same thing you did. I, I went to my room that night. It was in Cleveland. It was after it was, it was, it was the night after the Gore bush debacle like where oh. the like it was literally on election night that the that i traveled in there yeah and that was one of the hotels where the republican party was hosting i don't know how dan why did they pick that hotel yeah but like i remember like the country was in shambles because they couldn't declare the winner and here i am at this conference and it was a flurry of activity but i go to my room and i wrote i wrote bill glazer probably the worst handwritten sales letter but <laughs> Um, I had really no reason to be there other than that. I learned how to do marketing, like candle making books and soap making books. But Bill's uh -huh. like, he's like, hey, um, he, he 
he he called me two days later and he's like, hey, Bob, just want to let you know um, that I got your letter. And he kind of strung me along a little bit, you know, yeah, and he, those guys. No, no, he strung me along a little bit, but he's like, they're marketers. They're at, at the end of the call, he's like, I just want to let you know that I, I enthusiastically am inviting you into my mastermind. He's like, we want to, I don't want to have a group of people that are just all at one level. He's like, I know you're up and coming. I see your tenacity and I want you to be part of my first group. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it was emotional, right? Yeah. And without me knowing it, I, I walk into that room and Victor Chang did the same thing. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> right? Victor, Victor was at the event. Yeah. Um, and so Victor's in that room and I, and I sit next to somebody named Ryan Dice. <laughs> <laughs> And I sit and the next day I sit next to somebody named Rob Berkeley, who I we could do a whole show on that guy who right. changed my life. Um, and there was just some, uh, Allie Brown was in that room. Um, and, and a year later, Russell Brunson was in that room. So Brandon, I like, I was in over my head, you know, but a guy named Bill Glazer took a chance on me and, you know, I, I, I got a book written um, and he basically just introduced me to people who put me on stages. Um, I got to talk about what I knew with Google AdWords. I became known as kind of the big ticket guy. Um, I started working with clients that were selling high priced complex things. And mm. I wrote a book that Victor Cheng helped me write called big ticket e-commerce. And, um, we, I, I sold, I don't know how many books that I sold, Brandon, but I gave away a lot of those books and mm -hmm. people would come into my office here at the a Feed Stories. It's now Feed Stories headquarters. At that time, it was RJR and Capstone headquarters Yeah, um, with my book in their hand with highlights and dog ears all over it. And that's when I knew like, wow, I, I had a big, but I okay. learned how to sell from the stage, Brandon. Um, my best day, I was at a Ed O'Keefe dental conference. Um, I I believe I sold $150,000 from the stage and Beautiful. I made 75,000 in one day. I thought nothing could get better than that. Sure. Um, it was my best day selling <laughs> up <laughs> until this point, but I, I really, I learned a lot of skills. I, I learned, I, I just learned a lot about marketing and it was because one thing, is I, 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 I took a bet on myself because mm -hmm. I know, I mean, you, you kind of learned this, like I knew I could figure it out. Yeah. Like I knew how to figure out how the game was being played and I would be able to figure it out. And I made some high price investments in myself that over the years have definitely paid off for sure. I love it. What were you selling? What were you selling at the time? Were you selling consulting? Were you selling an information product of your own? What were you selling? I was selling um, marketing services. So it was Google okay. AdWords management and uh, we would build websites for them. So it was, okay. you know, hey, um, we're going to basically generate leads for you. So, um, you know, I did this in the dental. Uh, I, I sold at three or four dental events where we we built landing pages for um, uh, crowns and implants and teeth whitening. And then we would run traffic to those. So it was kind of like, hey, you just pay me and I'll I'll hand you the leads. Uh, I did it for home inspectors. I did it for restaurants, you know. Um, so I would give this whole presentation about, you know, how Google AdWords works and why SEO sucked and why paid advertising was so good because it was accountable and, um, you know, how to generate a lead. Um, I... 
I I used my best thing that I did was I I studied Barack Obama's marketing uh, to how he got elected and first of all how he got the Democratic nomination like it was an upset that he beat Hillary yeah I I put that into my presentation I showed Hillary's website which was a classic website Brandon that had 37 calls to action on the homepage oh, no focus on Barack's website there was two calls to action and they were both donate now and it was so clear so I'm like I, I wrote this whole concept called the power of one and that's okay. like what would wow people from the stage was like me showing how to like get somebody focused you know and you know how do you sell a high priced big ticket item with pay-per-click yeah give them one choice to make you give them one thing to do each time and you do the lead generation you do the follow-up and that that barack really helped me um sell a lot of stuff so i'm, I'm indebted to barack obama to this day is that, i think he, is, i think he rocks <laughs> is that still true today for what we do for what oh, we're sure? completely okay. completely like you ever walk in like it it gets worse and worse um just go try to buy toothpaste <laughs> right I, I, well not not only are there 20 brands but like it's like you know sensitivity and whitening right. and sensitivity plus whitening and it's right. you know um phosphate free and like yeah. you know um mouth like people can a, a confused buyer doesn't buy right so right, right. you know one of the things that i always keep harping everything we do is like, let's keep it simple, yes. you know, keep it simple. Um, give them one thing to do. So yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty clear, but that, you know, that has kind of carried us, you know, what the, the thing is, you know, like, Hey, why, why haven't I stuck with paid advertising? You know, I, I moved from Google into Facebook and that kind of yeah. changed things. And, you know, we, we've talked about that in other places, yeah. but um, it's what ultimately led us to starting feed stories was that Facebook advertising really allowed me to understand that creative drove everything, you know, mm. Google AdWords is a, a science game. Okay. Um, and once it, once the machines took over it, it, the creativity kind of was thrown out the window okay. and Facebook really allowed me to flex my creative muscles and, and writing good copy and coming up with good imagery and those things. And I, and I just knew and Facebook confirmed that, you know, 80% of your results is based on the creative. And that's, you know, that's why we do what we do to this day. So again, it's always about like figuring out what's next, you know, what's, what's the sure. game about. And so, you know, I know it's tiring for me at times and you're probably tired of me being tired, but it's like, man, um, in order for you to stay relevant, it's like we have to keep figuring out how the game has changed and figure out how to change our game plan. Yes. That's, that's just what we got to do. I mean, just in our conversations last week about even Feed Stories <laughs> products and, and services, and like, it, you know, is, is what is this game? And, you know, I spend, I'm, I'm spend a lot of time on TikTok and, and, and learning and figuring out what's working and how many people are following this person and, okay, what resonates, what doesn't. And, uh, you know, as, as we put out in just a recent email is, you know, the new, the new norm is, is these shorts, there's these clips where there's, it's 15 seconds, it's 30 seconds. It's, it's uh, these, 
these ways people are using creative media to gain attention and to create a following and build a brand. So, uh, yeah, I guess, fortunately, unfortunately, you know, we, we've decided to play in a field where things change quite often. Sure. And so yeah. for us to stay relevant, we have to stay in front of what, uh, what the public wants, what the market wants and, and, and how the media evolve. And, you know, it's part of that. So hundred percent coaching. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh, tell us a little bit more. So you've did I hear twenty seven years the other day? Uh, no, twenty something. What was thirty seven? Thirty seven years of yeah. coaching. Yeah, in, in fact, basketball in, specifically. Yeah, and about well, I've coached a couple other sports, but it's primarily basketball. And okay. um, I'm literally, you know, in ten minutes, I have to leave for a game tonight. So okay. Um, when I was a senior in high school, um, seventeen years old, uh. There are uh, the church that I went to had a, a team. It was called Biddy Basketball. They played. It was fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, and they played on eight foot rims. No rim is ten foot, yeah. so they called it Biddy Basketball. And it was hosted by uh, the varsity coach who I was playing for at the time. And you know, it's like he's got this program on Saturday mornings for all these local teams to basically come and learn the game and to be introduced to the high school. Like, hey, you go, you get to go to the high school and play on these eight-foot rims, and you kind of feel like a big deal. So yeah. um uh there was a dad that coached the team the year before who wasn't able to do it. And I went in and said, Hey, I'll do it. You know, like I'm I'm on the I'm on the varsity team, I'm a, you know, I'm a senior. Um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll coach the team. And so, um, that, that was the first team I coached, um, it was 37 years ago. So some of my players are now in their mid forties who I still know. Um, wow. you know, I'm 17 years old. These kids are eight, nine, 10 years old. Right. Yeah. Um, but I did that and I, and I did that for up until I was 40. So I did that 23 years, about yeah, about 23 years, 22 years, but I wanted to play a bigger game. And, uh, in 1990, I want to say 1998, um, which is when I left, I left the HR company and I got the contract gig at TransUnion. Um, one of my buddies who I played high school ball with, um, was named the varsity coach at my alma mater. And you know, I'm, I'm wearing their logo now, if you're watching the video, nice, nice. Um, he's like, Hey, there's an opening for the freshman team. Like, you know, I know you coach for your church. Like is, is, do you want to, do you want to do a high school freshman? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> so I applied and I got a lot of recommendation from another classmate of mine who was coach at a local high school. He wrote me a letter of recommendation. I went in, got interviewed, got the job. And I was gifted the, the, probably the best team I've ever had. (laughs) Like we, um, as a, as a freshman, we, um, went like 22 and four. Yeah. And then the very next year, the sophomore coach retired and they said, Hey, Bob, do you want to stay with your freshman team and, and move up to the sophomore level? So I'm like, yes. Nice. <laughs> and, then, and then we, I think we lost three games the next year. So I thought coaching was so easy at that point. Right. <laughs> I, I got this talented group. Well, my next group, 
I was excited about because a couple of the kids who were playing for me had played for me at my church team. And yeah. by the way, I continued to do that. So I do that on Saturdays, Saturday mornings. And then I'd have my team from like, like I was coaching two teams. Cause like I didn't have kids at that point. Yeah. Um, Bethany was just born like a year later. Like I just love, I continued to do it, but um I, I won the first game. We won the first game and then we were winning the second game and I was feeling kind of smug. And then all of a sudden, like we gave it away and I'm like, well, like, this is unusual. Usually we don't give up leads. And then uh, we proceeded to go on like a huge losing streak. And we like, I learned like, Oh, not every season is going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, I did that for six years. And then um, I got forced out after six years because there was a teacher that came in that wanted to coach. And so there were all the positions were filled. And so they're like, well, we have to give priority to a staff member. So I was let go fired, whatever, and was pissed off. I continued to coach my, my bitty basketball team. Um, But then by then um, Bethany was starting to play. So I started coaching her teams and then um, she started with an organization here locally with a really great coach that uh, a couple of my cousins played for. And I said, Hey, um, are you hiring? And he's like, yeah. And so I joined that staff. It was a travel team. And I coached there for gosh, about eight years um, all through, I coached Bethany from the time she was in like in fourth grade up through high school. Um, plus a bunch of other girls. I did, I did girls basketball. So I shit from boys to girls. And then, um, while I was there, while Bethany was, I think she was a sophomore or junior. Um, my other friend had gotten hired as the head coach at my alma mater. And he's uh-huh. like, Hey, you want to come back? I said, well, I, don't want to come back until Bethany graduates. Like I don't want to be coaching these boys teams while my daughter's playing somewhere else. So I continued to coach for the travel team. And then um, as soon as Bethany graduated, he's like, you're coming back. I said, yeah. So um, that's now I'm on my fifth or sixth year. Um, I I lost track. Um, But so I essentially went back to the position they released me from. So um, I got that back. And so, yeah, I coach high school uh, sophomore boys, Um, you know, November through March is, you know, Brandon knows that it's three o'clock. Bob leaves at three o'clock, you know, and that's, that's part of what I do. So again, like I'm, you know, I'm less now I, I talked about like, oh, I, I like design plays and things like that. I yeah. I still like that, but I'm much more about like the relationships and team dynamics and getting the most out of people. That's kind of what turns me on these days. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm 53 years old. I'm, I'm not young, but I'm not old either, but some things are more important to me. Like, yeah, we, we definitely try to win. You know, we won, uh, the night before we had lost a couple in a row. So again, I, my, my nature is I want to compete. I want to win, you know, I want to figure out the game, but I also want to figure out like how to get the best out of people. So like I have game, I have games within games. So, um, you know, part of it is, can I get the best out of each guy? You know, I've got 14 guys on my roster this year. How do I get the best out of the guy who's last on the team? How do I get the best out of the guy who's first in the team? You know, how do we, how do I make sure that when they leave me, like they're better than when they started with me, Mm, you know, I love that. Um, that's, that's the type of stuff that interests me these days for sure. I love it. You've become seasoned. You, yeah. uh, the game within the game. I like that. Yeah. I'm no less competitive, 
but I realize there's there's many more important things than the W on the scoreboard. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, on that note, um, I got to let you go coach, don't I? You do. It's fantastic. Well, this is this is awesome. And I see future episodes where we can dive into uh, each other's journey here a little bit more in different areas. I got lots more questions. Yeah, so, I got a lot of questions it. about your RVing. <laughs> and I think you probably, there's definitely a lot more things we could dig into on the coaching yeah. front. I could definitely see that. Good, yeah, good, I'm good, good. forward to that. Well, thank you, Bob, for being willing to share. And uh, thank you for being my business partner and for giving me a long leash that you're very good at and 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 uh, and being a yeah, good Yeah, but, but there is a leash. And there is, a, there, there, is, there is a length at which that collar will snap back. But is there really? Come on. Well, there, there is. There is. <laughs> Yeah. So I get it. No, no, it's great. We're looking forward to a great 2023. Um, You know, despite what people are are hearing in the media, 2023, 2024, 2025 are going to be prosperous years. Um, You know, this uh, don't don't buy into recession talk. Don't buy into stuff like that. Um, You get to make choices about uh, how you run your business and things like that. Don't don't buy into the negative talk. Um, things are not the way people broadcast. Everybody who broadcasts has an agenda. Um, even we have an agenda. And our agenda today is like, don't believe that crap. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, you may have to you may have to shift and move. Um, but 2023 is going to be a great year for everybody. Um, you just got to be willing to move, willing to be flexible, willing to change, willing to evolve, willing to listen. And, you know, things will go well for you. And we're here to help you if you, if you want to if you need that assistance. 100%. And on that note, that's a wrap. And Bob, thank you. And thanks everybody for listening. Thanks y'all. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. A show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.